today. This is awesome. Good to have you at Crosspoint, and uh, I look out and see a bunch of faces I don't know, and so welcome. If this is your first time, if you're just kind of checking things out tonight, we're really glad that you guys are here, and uh, it's good to be back. I was off for the last week, and uh, it was really good, but it's always good to come back, and uh, while I was away, you guys kicked off a new series, which is fun. I didn't know that. I just got back. The team was like, hey, guess what we did? Kicked off a brand new series. I was like, oh, I'm just joking. That's not how it works, but... um, You guys did last week kick off a brand new series called For Better or For Worse, but despite what the title says, this is not just a marriage series. This is a relationship series, and all of you have relationships. All of those relationships are important, and it's really good and valuable for us to learn how to navigate through all of those relationships. And so it's our goal every week that there will be something good and valuable for every single person, despite what your Facebook friendship status might say, right? no matter where it's at. So don't skip church for the next month or two and think, I'll just wait for this whole marriage thing to blow over. Don't. It's, there's something in here for everyone, um, which is a good reminder. Like, we do this thing, this, this whole church thing together as a family, right? We pray for one another, carry one another's burdens. We confess to one another. We lift one another up. We encourage one another. And so even if you think, like, oh, today's message isn't for me, it's still really good for you to sometimes learn things so that you can be better equipped to help serve the family that you're a part of. Amen? 
So it's good for you to learn and to know these things, uh, which, which is a good reminder in general just about what church should be like on the weekend. You shouldn't ever come to church thinking, well, I wonder what's going to be in it for me this weekend. You should be coming to think, like, what can I give to God this weekend? How can I worship him well? How can I encourage my family? How can I kind of be with them and, and enjoy their company and pray for them and all those kinds of things? So don't ever answer someone's question, like, how was church today with, well, I didn't really get much out of it. Because it's not necessarily what you get out of it. Sometimes it's about what you put into it. And sometimes it's good to just show up and, and not distill the whole service down into whether or not it served your very particular needs at this very particular point in your life, but just to be able to acknowledge that it was good to worship with your family and to acknowledge God and his goodness and praise his name. And sometimes it's when you're giving that you actually receive something anyway, right? I should be able to get up here and preach the worst garbage sermon that you have ever heard. Just the worst stinker. And you should still be able to go home and say, church was great today because God is good. He is worthy of my praise. I get to be with his people and serve his kingdom. Now, that's not a disclaimer that today is going to be an awful garbage day, right? <laughs> He's just saying that because it's going to be a stinker this weekend. Like, no, it's not. Well, I mean, it might be. I don't know. Um, but we're going to talk about something today that some of you are going to be tempted to think, well, this one's not necessarily for me. And so I'm just trying to get you to, to don't tune out on me, right? Because this is, this is a new message for me. I've never preached on this in like 14 years of preaching. Uh, but we're going to do this today. We're going to talk about singleness. We're going to talk about being single. And I know some of you are thinking, some of you who are single are thinking, Mark, when was the last time you were single? You got married when you were 14 years old. You have been not single for the last two decades. How in the world are you going to know about anything? You don't have any idea what it's like. And so just to speak into that for just a second, just because something is not my current experience doesn't mean we are not able to speak into it. Right? In fact, it would be alarming if the only thing I ever shared from the stage was my own current experience. That's not what you're here to ever get. And uh, I don't think we should ever speak on experience alone. Um, when you are someone who preaches the Bible, you regularly preach on things you do not understand or have not yet fully experienced. So don't ever come to just hear someone's experience because that is a terrible foundation for a sermon. Right? All you'd ever hear is someone's personal thoughts and opinions, which aren't bad, but they're only supposed to be supplementary at best. We preach on the word of God and that is our foundation. And that is what we come to hear, and so that is our goal today and every other week that we gather to speak on something and to hear something. Um, and so that, that's, you know, don't think, well, it's not you. Huh? you know, It's all right. We can preach on it. Uh, it was actually, we were chatting about this sermon earlier in the week, and it was Pastor Natalie who said, just don't preach like 10 cute ways to be single this spring, right? Because if that... <laughs> Like, if that was the sermon, I'm out. I am the wrong person to preach on that. But that is not the sermon this week. And so if you're single, don't tune me out. Okay? The other temptation is if you are here and you are not single, to think, oh, good, he gave me a week off. I get to scan my phone for the next half an hour and whatever. Don't, don't do that either. Right? Don't think, well, I'm not single anymore. I got through that. That's pretty good. Right? Like, keep that attitude up and you... No, no, I just won't say that. Um, <laughs> we need to hear this despite... You know, if you've been married for 50 years, it's still really good for you to hear this because sometimes you'll hear things that will be able to teach you and equip you to better serve the church that you are a part of, that you can serve the people that you are uh, kind of doing this church thing with. And so we want to be able to equip and navigate and help and come alongside everyone that is our, our church family, regardless of whether or not their relationship status is different than yours. 
Because we're family, right? Now, I'll also say this, and it might come across darker than I mean for it to be, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Just because you're not single today doesn't mean that you won't ever be someday. Right? And I I mean that as kindly as possible. Um, Now, listen, I've got friends my age who lost a spouse. Right? They, They didn't know that was coming. We say in our wedding vows, till death do us part, guess what? It often does. And there is no time frame on that. So just because a sermon doesn't apply to you today doesn't mean it won't apply to you someday. And and we've got all kinds of friends, we've got all kinds of family that you know that did not anticipate being single at this season in their life. Maybe it's because of something a spouse did or said or they walked out on or whatever the case might be. Don't think that whatever your relationship status is today is going to be permanently that until the day they put you in the ground. Because life has a funny way of throwing curveballs. Amen? All right. Uh, here's the thing about singleness. We don't talk about it enough, right? It's weird. Some of you are thinking, oh, what a weird topic for a sermon, and I've never preached on it, but we don't talk about it enough. I I think maybe that's not so good. Churches have marriage series all the time. They have, you know, dating series and, and marriage seminars and all these events and all this curriculum and all these small groups, but very literally, very rarely do we ever talk about being single. And Here's the, the problem, I guess. According to the Stats Canada website, literally half the population is single. Half of the population. Uh, so I, I went on to Amazon. Amazon.ca, the less awesome Canadian version. But I went on to the books category, typed in marriage, got over 200,000 results for marriage books. Went and typed in dating, got over 50,000 results for dating books. Searched singleness, got 416. So out of a quarter million books, less than 1% are on being single. Half of the population gets less than 1% of the books. Does it feel like we've kind of skewed one way more so than the other way? So I feel like maybe there's an opportunity to speak into something here that we have kind of forgotten along this path. And so I think it's important to talk about this, and I think there's going to be some good, valuable things for all of us to learn, regardless of where you stand right now. And for some people, singleness, it might be a season. For some people, it's a calling. For some people, they might be miserable in their singleness right now. For some people, they might love it and love it for the rest of their life, right? So it's unfair to kind of lump everyone into the same category, just like when you get married people, sometimes they're thrilled and sometimes they're not, and they're all over the map too, right? Good. 1 Corinthians 7 is where we're going to be, if you've got your Bibles And uh, we'll probably be here throughout this entire series. Uh, But Paul wrote an entire chapter on marriage and relationships. And so he's kind of going through um, giving advice to husbands and wives. And and he gets talking about all this kind of stuff. And in verse 7, this is where we start. You can almost... We'll we'll read it first. Verse 7. He says, I wish everyone were single, just as I am. Some of you thought that hymn was like an altar call for salvation. It's about being single. <laughs> it says, yet each person has a special gift from God, one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry and to burn with lust. Right? So it's just, you can kind of see Paul, like, giving advice to these married couples. He's walking through, like, the complexities of marriage. And it's almost like he reaches a point where he's like, oh, this would be so much easier if y'all just didn't get married. You would solve all these problems. It would be so much simpler if we were all just single like I was. But if you can't control yourself, I guess marriage is an okay thing for you to do. And it's kind of a funny conclusion that he comes to. 
He calls marriage, or he calls being single a gift, and he calls it better. That's not usually what we hear when we talk about marriage in the Bible. We hold marriage up on this pedestal and say, and it is the, the be-all, end-all, it is everything. But Paul's like, actually, no, being single is pretty fantastic. And he wishes that all of us could enjoy it. I should point out, it's important to know, Paul's single when he's writing this, because that would be super awkward if he wasn't. Can you imagine? His wife's in the crowd, and he's like, listen, my wife's going to disagree with me here, but hear me out. Being single is so much better than being married. <laughs> so Paul is single, uh, and then he jumps down, uh, continues on in this topic back in, uh, if you skip ahead to verse 32, and he's speaking to the same crowd again. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him, but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Amen, men? No, don't, don't. <laughs> His interests are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can devote to the Lord and and holy in body and in spirit, but a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will be helpful, uh, whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So he, he says, singleness is great, it's a gift, it's better, and then he goes into why. And he he explains that for one thing, if you're single, you are kind of freed up from all of the time and the stress and the complexities that come with marriage. How many of you understand marriage is not easy? Also, maybe not a right time to raise your hand there. (laughs) How many of you would just acknowledge rhetorically, marriage did not simplify your life? Right? And there are people out there who think, well, if I just get married, all these problems would go away. You are about to enter a world of brand new ones. And, you know, you get married and, and all of a sudden you are, you are welcoming and inviting all these complexities into your life that did not exist before. You are trying to get your life goals, your calling, your fulfillment, what you're aiming for, but you've got to align them now with someone else and their life goal and their calling, what they're aiming for. You're inviting multiple families into this new family. You're inviting in-laws and cousins and brothers and sisters and nephews, all of their traditions, all of what you want for your traditions, but your spouse might have different traditions. You're bringing in your financial issues, your habits, your pros and your cons, your spending issues or whatever that might be. Someday you might bring kids into that and different parenting styles and different approaches to how you think things should go on and on and on it goes none of that makes marriage bad it makes it hard right and Paul is saying you don't have to have that if you could avoid some of that kudos to you what a gift that would be he says because getting married is going to, you, you, he says, you're going to have divided interests. Your time is going to be, all these new things are now going to take your focus and your time and your energy and, and your abilities. And, and he says, right now, as a single person, you're not necessarily tied up with all of that stuff. And it's kind of like having kids. Like, having kids is a wonderful thing. What a huge blessing. What an awful, difficult, stressful thing having kids is. Right? There are days when I look at my wife and I think, do you remember when we didn't have kids? And we don't, right? <laughs> it's just, you, you, you sit and think about, man, what did we do with all that time? And like, well, man, it's crazy, the, the freedom and the quiet and the peace. And so all, all that to say, Paul is reminding us that singleness has a certain amount of freedom and peace that comes with it that a married person does not have in their life anymore. And he says, there's something to that that is beneficial to you. 
He says, don't, don't squander that. Don't take that for granted. And then he goes on to say, secondly, that it affords you the possibility to really dig into the kingdom, to really kind of focus on your walk with Christ, the work you're doing for the kingdom. He says, think about the kingdom impact you have if you are not encumbered with all of the stress and the time that comes with having a spouse or having kids or working this job. You had to pay off your house and do all these things. He's saying, really, this could be the most effective season of your life for the kingdom of God because you've got the time, the energy, and the focus to put into it. Verse 35, it says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best with as few distractions as possible. And and if you're here and you're single, you will probably never have more freedom and opportunity in your life to serve the kingdom than you do right now. Paul says that, man, what an incredible opportunity that is. What a gift that is. So being single is not necessarily freedom from responsibility, but it might be freedom for responsibility. This allots me the opportunity to do things and to travel around and, and kind of dig into some unique opportunities that you wouldn't have if you were married with kids or whatever. So he says, being single is great. It is a gift. It can be better. It's peaceful. Some of you who are married are like, oh, man, this sounds really good. Um, I also think it's worth noting that this would have been a very new, uh, possibly somewhat kind of revolutionary and easily controversial thing for Paul to say back in the first century. In the first century, kind of especially kind of around like where the population of the world was, the ancient Mediterranean, your family was everything. Family was absolutely everything. If, if a man died single and no kids, people assumed that he was cursed by God. There's no other explanation that if you were to die single and have no kids... Um, there, there was this implication that if you died without kids, it was like dying twice because you died, but then also your legacy died. The family name died. You, you didn't carry it on. You didn't do anything that would have any kind of lasting impact. Uh, in the Roman Empire, actually, Caesar Augustus passed a law that if you were widowed and not remarried within two years, you would actually be fined. You'd be punished. Right? Because they were so, you, you got to get married. You got to be with someone. You could legally hold that view, but you were going to pay the price for it. Just like the church hiring a summer student right now. Um, there was this crushing pressure for people to get married young, to stay married their whole life, if their, if their husband or wife died, to get remarried again. And one of the major reasons for it was, honestly, just practicality. Kids were your retirement plan. There was no RRSPs. There was no social security. When you got old enough that you could not take care of yourself, if you did not have family, you were going to be on your own. That's actually still true in some places around the world. And so, man, kids and, and leaving kind of people behind that can watch out for you and take care of you uh, was hugely important. And so singleness would have been a pretty radical idea for Paul to stand up in front of a group of people and say, this is actually a really good gift. It would have been bonkers. People would have been like, are you out of your mind right now? Uh, some historians actually argue that the church was the first movement in the world to hold up singleness as a viable, valuable way of life, which is pretty neat. It feels like we've come full circle because now no one in the church thinks like that. And the church, perhaps more than any other institution, seems to push people to get married real quick, get married real young, have a whole bunch of kids, right? Is this what you should do? That's what's normal. That's what's good. Uh, and Paul took a pretty big step in vouching for the value of being single and, and the opportunities that come with it. So let's take a few minutes and talk about what singleness is not, because I think we all have some misconceptions that come uh, with, with this topic. First thing is being single does not mean something is wrong. 
right? I think we have the assumption that if someone reaches a certain age and they're not married, something's wrong. If you reach the age of 30 or 40 and you're not married, everyone's going, hmm, wonder what's going on there. All right, I bet she has some issues. Oh, I bet he must be a bit of a jerk or whatever, right? Like, it's the assumption that if you didn't get married by now, something is broken. And that's not necessarily true. And, and, and there could be a wide variety of really good, valid reasons, maybe some very sensitive reasons why someone is not yet married. Here's the worst thing you can do, church, is ask someone, are you still single? <laughs> Don't do that, right? Don't ever do that to someone. Are you still single? It's like asking a married couple who hasn't had children for a long time. Don't ask them, how come you haven't had any babies yet? Because you don't know why they haven't had babies yet. And it might be a very difficult answer. Same thing with singleness. You don't know. And so it's best not to just ask wrongly or insensitively, are you still single? And here's the thing, that word still indicates there's this this assumption that you shouldn't be. Singleness is supposed to be something you're getting away from. Singleness is supposed to be something that you should be escaping or avoiding. It's temporary. Are you still single? Maybe they want to be. It'd be like asking a married couple, are you still married? (laughs) That is the point. (laughs) Yes. And so I think the church needs to resist the implication to speak about singleness as somehow being second best. Right? Right? Because it's not true and it's not biblical. The Bible calls marriage a gift, absolutely. It also calls singleness a gift. So resist the implication to acknowledge or, or to assume that singleness is second best. It is not something you have to get past. Um, See, so here's what that means for some of us. And I'm not looking anyone in the eye, but it means the church, you should stop playing matchmaker with people. Everyone loves to do this. I know a perfect young lady for you. I know just a great strapping young man for you. And, and it comes across as there's something broken in your life and I'm going to be the one that fix it. Right? Let's find you a good woman. Straighten you right out. What, what if I don't want that? What if I'm not broken? Right? What if, what if a relationship isn't going to be the thing that I need in my life to fix me? Right? Don't, don't play matchmaker, even though sometimes it works. Um, how many of you have ever been someone's test subject for being a matchmaker? Anyone ever come to you and said, I'm going to find you someone? There's got to be way more than just two people in this room. I totally was. Um, had a friend of mine in college take home like the yearbook, the pictorial directory of university, took it home uh, to one of his friends, one of whom was my wife. And he said, no, pick a guy. And she picked me and we're married. <laughs> I, I am a mail order husband. True story. That is how it went. So listen, sometimes it works. But you don't need to keep doing that. Um, second misconception, being single does not mean that you are incomplete. Okay. Uh, we have culturally held up relationships to be the thing that you need in your life to make you whole, to make you finished. Uh, remember the movie, Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise utters the now famous words, you complete me. The implication there being you were lacking something. You were not yet whole. You were not yet complete until a relationship, until some boy or girl came along and, and made you whole. And that is such a strong cultural idea that you are not enough until you are with somebody. And again, it is a lie. You, you aren't finished when you get married. You have not reached the, the end of the line. And it's a dangerous misconception because I think what happens is that people then begin to hold marriage up as an idol. 
They, they begin to worship the institution of marriage as the thing that is going to be revered. I'm going to strive for this to almost this unhealthy level. And, and you put so much pressure on your future spouse or the institution itself or what you think marriage is going to do for you that when the time comes, they actually get married and you meet this person and realize that they're broken and messed up and marriage is hard. You're like, oh, well, what a letdown this is. A relationship will not complete you. It will not finish you. It's not the thing you need in your life to make you whole. And I think a lot of people end up getting married not because they necessarily love the person they are with, but they love the idea of marriage. And they love the idea that this is the thing that will be a part of my complete and full life. You, you have to get married and have kids and buy a house and settle down. And that is what a complete life looks like. If you don't achieve it, you are somehow lacking. Does that sound like the culture we live in right now? And it's a lie. Remember, remember the old cereal commercials that would say, like, Honey Nut Cheerios are part of a balanced breakfast. Part of a complete breakfast. And you would look at the picture on this commercial, and there's a family sitting around the dinner, like, the table at breakfast time with bacon and eggs and cereal and orange juice in a pitcher. And I'm thinking, who in their right mind does that? No normal family with kids has time to sit around at the table, whip up some bacon and eggs. Why are you putting orange juice in a pitcher? You're dirtying a dish unnecessarily. You know it's a lie when a family would do that. What do you do when the orange juice isn't gone? You dump it back in the container somehow? That's a hassle. You don't want to do that. Normal people don't eat like that. I ate toast over the kitchen sink yesterday for my breakfast. It was great. So if you're here and you're you're thinking, well, my complete balanced picture of life is me obviously married with kids in a house, it might absolutely not look like that. And chances are no one will fulfill you the way that you need to be fulfilled. Here's what we believe, that only Jesus Christ makes you complete. And whether you are single or married or dating or widowed or eight years old, the only thing you are lacking in your life that will make you whole is Jesus Christ. And if you have him, regardless of your relationship status, you are complete. He makes us whole. Colossians 2.9. It says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So the idea that somehow, even after inviting Jesus into your life, that you would need another person to somehow make you complete would be a lie. It is unbiblical. It is not true. It is a cultural standard. It might be pressure from your family. It might be something that you, you long for but no one's going to make you complete apart from Jesus Christ. So being single does not make you incomplete. Thirdly, being single does not mean you're lonely or unhappy. And I think, again, that, that's kind of that we've got this picture in our minds of what someone who is single is like, and you just picture this sad person who's, you know, cue the Charlie Brown music, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, we talk about, like, the crazy cat lady, right? Which is, no one ever talks about a crazy cat man, unfair double standard, I would totally be a crazy cat man. No shame whatsoever. Here's the thing. I know single people who are not lonely, and I know married people who are. Loneliness has nothing to do with the amount of people who are or are not around you. It is a state that you can find yourself in. Regardless of all of those things, lonely and single are not synonymous. And you can be very fulfilled and complete when you are single. Is it a strong likelihood that someone who is single and does not want to be would wrestle with that more so than others? Absolutely, but it's not a rule. And I don't think you need to believe that if, oh, I'm going to be single forever, I'm going to be lonely and miserable. It's absolutely not true. And so here's, here's the thing I would encourage. If you are a married couple 
you know what perpetuates a feeling of loneliness with people who are single? When you get married and cut off all the single people in your life. Don't do that. Continue to, to have relationships with people who are single. Continue to pour into them. They need a good married couple to, to give them advice and to pour into them and to love them and to walk with them. And, and the same thing, if, if you're single, don't cut out all the married people in your life and think, well, you have nothing to share with me, nothing to give to me anymore. I think we're all better off together as a family unit, as one kind of pouring into one another, as iron sharpens iron, a cord of two strands, not easily broken, all those things, right? We're better together regardless of our relationship status. And so don't get married and think, well, I'm done with all you guys because that's not helping anything. Um, and bottom line, loneliness, regardless of your relationship status, um, there should not be lonely people in church, right? There are. And, and what I mean by that is that we should make an agreement, right? Don't, don't just see someone single in the church and assume, well, they should be lonely. I'm going to go on a friend-finding mission for them. But also don't look at married couples and think, well, I bet they have all kinds of friends. I don't need to go introduce myself because both assumptions should be wrong. Uh, I meet people at our church all the time who are either brand new to our church or brand new to our city or maybe not brand new, but still lonely. And so I think we should do everything we can to go out of our way. You should be meeting people you don't know in this room. When we, we give you 60 seconds on the clock to go around and shake some hands. Don't just kind of gravitate towards the people you already know. Take a little walk. Go meet someone. And I know you're thinking, 60 seconds isn't very long. No, but it's a start of a conversation that you can continue out in the lobby after church. You're not doing anything tonight. Saturday night. Go have a conversation with someone. I don't know what you're doing tonight. I'm sorry. But I I think there's room for us to grow better together as a community when it comes to people who are feeling lonely regardless of what their relationship status is. And so let's work deliberately at you, so many new faces in this room. You should be meeting new people. Don't walk out the doors tonight until you learn someone new, right? Thank you. Uh, now, here's the thing. I will also say this about singleness in marriage. Uh, there is an element of singleness that every married person still needs in their life. And here's what, here's what I mean by that. Um, there is something about biblical solitude that you still need to incorporate into your life for your spiritual health and wellness and your walk with Jesus Christ. Uh, we are all called, called to be alone with Christ. Um, and, and so if you're thinking, well, I don't ever want to get married because quietness and solitude is so important to me, I would never have it. You still absolutely need to have it. Nor can you go on the other side and think, oh, I just can't wait to get married to someone so I'll never be alone again because then you're going to... You, your spouse can't grow your relationship with Christ for you, right? You can't ride kind of the coattails of your spouse's um, relationship. And so you should be working together in your marriage to grow in your faith, to read the Bible, to pray together. All those things are good and great. But Jesus still went off all by himself all the time and said that we should do the same. And so don't, just because you're married, don't assume that there should never be some solitude in your life. You realize isolation and solitude are two very different things. Solitude is important and healthy and biblical. Isolation doesn't necessarily need to be in there in your life. And so let's just kind of decide to keep our eyes fixed on heaven. Because here's the thing, is that human marriage matters. It is important. It is biblical. It is a gift from God. Excellent. Amen. But it is not eternal. It is not eternal. What I mean by that is the Bible talks about how none of us will be given to marriage in heaven. And 
what the Bible talks about is the union that we will have with Christ. And he talks about we are the bride, his church, and someday we'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's between us and him. It doesn't mean you're not going to know family. It doesn't mean you're not going to know your spouse or all that kind of stuff. But the Bible is very clear. It's not going to be marriage. So the relationship with you have with Christ is eternal and should matter. And you should have your energy and your focus more so than any other human relationship that you have in your life because the one with Christ is eternal. Bottom line on that is that if you're neglecting your relationship with Jesus because you are married or because you are not married, either way, something is out of whack with priorities and you need to make sure that Christ is the relationship that you are pursuing with your most energy and effort and work all the time. Make sense? Now, as we wrap up, I know for some people, uh, if you are here and you're single, despite all the good things we've said about it, it is still a hard road for you to navigate. Some of you have not asked for it and you did not want it. Paul calls it a gift, but sometimes you get gifts you don't want. Some of you still get like socks from your grandmother. You're like 28. I've got so many pairs of socks. You don't need to keep doing this. And some of you are thinking, all right, God, I've walked this road for a really long time. There's no way we need to keep doing this. At what point is something going to change? At what point is this going to be kind of fixed? And I don't have a bulletproof solution for this. I don't have the right answer for this. But I would say this to anyone who finds themselves in any season that is not their preference. The Bible says, fix your eyes on heaven. Stay faithful to God. Believe that he's working things out for your good. Continue to trust with where he's leading you, with how he's gifted you, with where he is calling you. Believe and understand that his plan for your life is good and perfect and what's best. And his timing is good and perfect and what's best. And sometimes it only ever makes sense when you get to look back, but you understand that the process that got you somewhere was actually part of the plan and you would have missed out on something had you just gotten what you wanted. And so there's something to be said about patience and waiting and trusting and believing and remaining faithful in your walk with him. Uh, Jesus said, look at the flowers. They're incredibly beautiful. Solomon was never dressed as beautiful as that, but they're here today and gone tomorrow. If God cares that much about these temporary flowers, how much more does he care about you? The life that you're living, the the world that you're kind of in right now, the road that you're walking, the season that you've been given, he is not not seeing you. He's not abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten about you. And his plan is good and his timing is perfect. So don't live with a constant sense of, yeah, but what's next? Yeah, but when's it coming? And that's good advice, even if you're here and you're married and you're always living in that constant state of, yeah, but I want what's next. I want to keep getting there. And if you constantly live in a state where you are not satisfied with where you are, but only with where you're going, you're not going to be satisfied. Paul said, I learned to be content with whatever season I was in. When it was good, when it was bad, when I had much, when I had nothing, when I was healthy and when I was sick, regardless of the season I found myself in, I decided to learn to be content with that. And there's something in there for all of us, single or married. Don't always live with this sense of, I I just need what's next. God says, I want you to be satisfied today with where you are and what I've given you. And just trust that he knows what is good and best for you. I'll close with this. I heard someone say it last week. I thought it was great. Singleness is not a punishment and marriage is not a reward. Singleness is not punishment. Don't assume that your season of singleness is because you deserve it, because you've done something wrong, because that's all God sees fit to give you. Absolutely not true. But don't also look at your marriage and think, oh, obviously I got it all figured out. God gave me a spouse. La-di-da. It's not. Singleness is not punishment. Marriage is not a reward. It is good and valuable and beneficial, but all of our relationships are. 
All relationships are good, but they're hard. They're blessed, but they're challenging. And so we need to continue to navigate them together as a family, focus on Christ, flourish in our faith, and honor one another as we walk these roads together, no matter who you might be with at the time. Amen. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are good and we love you. We're grateful for the way that you've kind of spoken into all of our lives. And I just pray right now for the people that are in this season, uh, whether they want to be or or not maybe right now, God, I just pray that you would continue uh, to reassure them with your goodness, your grace, your peace, that they would rely on you and find new patience and new encouragement, that, that, that they would find purpose for the season that they're in and that they would be content regardless of where you'd called them. I pray the same thing over our married couples right now, God who are also perhaps wrestling with difficult times and challenging seasons. Help us to all fix our eyes on you, to pray for one another, to carry one another, to walk together, and to put our hope in you and you alone. You're good. We love you. We ask all of these things in your name. And the church said...